communication in marriage on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. If you are married, then one of the problems that you face is the problem of communication in marriage. It is absolutely, positively, 100% the case that every married couple experiences trouble in communication. And so I'm thrilled that this week on the podcast, we're going to be tackling that problem. Something I'm even more thrilled about is how we're going to be tackling that problem, and that is with the help of Dr. Dale Johnson. If you have listened to Truth and Love in the past, then you will know that back in the spring, I announced my intention to resign as the executive director of ACBC, effective on October 2nd at the ACBC annual meeting in Fort Worth, Texas, and I am thrilled that the board of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors has selected as my replacement Dr. Dale Johnson, a biblical counseling professor and author and the next executive director of ACBC, and he is going to take on this issue of communication in marriage this week on the podcast, and I hope you appreciate what he has to say. This week, we want to revisit an issue of marriage communication. It's often that married couples find themselves having affections in different directions and life becomes common and they forget how to communicate with one another. They forget to speak in affectionate ways to one another, almost speaking to each other in very intense or disrespectful ways. How would we deal with issues like that where there's been maybe small points of bitterness over time that have that have built up in a marriage that's led to different types of communication. We know from the scriptures that speaking to one another comes from the heart of a person. And as we know in marriage, we interact a lot in our marital relationships. And sometimes those offenses are not dealt with in a in a proper manner. And so if we're not dealing with those particular issues in a proper manner, one of the things that you'll see in the counseling room is uh, the couple struggles to communicate with one another. And so this week, what I want to do is I want us to address this particular issue and how we would think through this in the counseling room. We want to focus particularly on how the couple speaks to one another, but we want to look at the issues of the heart, particularly as what are the hindrances that keep them from speaking in kind and tender-hearted ways toward one another. They've forgotten the biblical command and demand for us to speak in tender ways toward one another. One of the things that we'll see often, looking particularly at Ephesians 4.29, is the scripture tells us, let no unwholesome communication Proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that's edifying that brings grace to the one who hears. Now, if we were to pause for a second and to think through that particular verse, there is a wealth of information that's very critical when we think about communication with uh, with a couple. And so if you think about a couple, oftentimes we as individuals, we speak to our spouse in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we might get angry about things and we speak harshly or we're short with them because our mind is in a different direction. When we notice those particular things, it's very common for us in our sinful nature to speak to one another in a way that's either self-defensive 
that's a very common problem in marriage. And we want to make sure that we're addressing those issues because unwholesome words come from our self-defensiveness when we are trying to defend ourselves against what we think the other person has said or spoken against us. Another common issue that you'll see in in the counseling room relative to communication is when we are self-preserving. We want to preserve our particular way or our thoughts about a particular issue, and we will often clash with the desire of the other spouse. And in our, our want and desire to have what we want or to preserve what we desire at that moment, we will often rashly speak or harshly speak unwholesome words to our spouse. But the scripture tells us not to speak those kinds of words. So how do we halt those kinds of words? We have to begin to look at the the latter part of the verse where he tells us to speak words that edify. So what that means is we have to die to our own self and desires and then teach our counselees how to speak in a way that is edifying for the person who's hearing. Now that changes everything because when we think about speaking, now we have to speak to these counselees and teach them how to speak to one another in a way that's edifying to the one who's hearing, not just edifying in the way that they think they speak this, but edifying to the one who is actually hearing. And sometimes in the counseling room, I'll, I'll get the couple to speak in a way that is for the edification of the other spouse, not only just for the edification of the other spouse based on Ephesians 4.29, but also so that the way in which we say these things brings grace to the one who hears. Often this last section is probably the most difficult because we will see spouses who in their struggle to communicate often feel like they're expressing themselves in ways uh, that ought to be pleasing to the other spouse. And conflict sometimes can ensue because one, one spouse will take offense, the one who's hearing. And so you have to back up and help the counselees begin to sort out the way in which they think that they should think before they speak And the reason, motivation for why they're speaking is not for themselves, but for the one who's hearing. And to say it in such a way that it brings grace. Now, does that mean that we never communicate in a way that is corrective? No, to bring grace to someone's life often may mean uh, that we have to speak the truth in gentleness and kindness and in love that's for the benefit of the other person. What we see consistently in that is is what's rooted here in Ephesians 4.29 is the motivation has to be for the other person. So in other words, what's happening is we have to teach the counselees to cease speaking for themselves and really transition against our sinful nature, those desires to defend ourselves and to preserve what we want and learn to speak particularly for the benefit of and grace of the other person. That takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of change. And so helping to work them through that, a couple ways that I might do that is I may ask a couple, uh, starting with the, the man, I may say something like this, sir, could you please tell me three things that you love about your spouse? And oftentimes he doesn't have a problem saying three nice things that he appreciates about his wife. And, and then I ask the wife to do the same thing. And she likewise doesn't have much problem saying three things that she loves or likes to see in her husband. And then I proceed to ask the question, well, sir, can you tell me three things that might concern you about your wife? And oftentimes there's an awkward pause because now he doesn't want to say anything that, that hurts her feelings. He, he might not want to say anything that 
um, degrades her, at least in front of me. But he started to think now that these are the hindrances that keep him back from proper communication. These are the things at which God has called him to love her despite what he sees in her that might be a concern. Now we're getting to the place of biblical love, him learning now to speak and to love her despite who she really is and speak in a way that's graceful to her and likewise wife to the husband. And so we learn uh, in that process and to teach them how to speak in a way that's edifying to each other and it brings grace to the one who hears. Now, what are some homework that I might give them? I, I may give them several things. One of the things that I want to see in communication is I may ask them to do what's been called the family table, where I get them to sit across the table maybe for five or 10 minutes each night, at least until we meet again the following week. And what I want to do is for them to have a concerted amount of time where they're sitting across the table from one another, where all the rest of life ceases and they're able to communicate well with one another. They're able to listen well. They're able to speak kindly to one another and uh, not interrupt each other when the other person is talking. And so I'll, I'll ask them to sit for 10 minutes each night, uh, one person having the floor up front, they will pray. And then I'll get them to uh, ask about the other person's day so that they now have an opportunity to listen. And they're hearing a little bit more about their spouse. They're paying attention to what's going on in the life and the world of their spouse so that they can then communicate in a way that's effective, edifying them uh, based on the story of, of that particular day. And then they'll reverse and the other one can ask questions and begin to allow the, the other spouse to share their story so that they're learning to communicate uh, well in a way that's tenderhearted, kind, and for the benefit and grace of the one who's hearing. And then I'll get them to come back to counseling and we, we share those experiences to see what issues may have arisen that were tough issues to talk about, maybe issues that brought about bitterness and anger in the couple. And those things now we begin to deal with in subsequent sessions and give them practical application from the scriptures on how to speak in a way that's edifying and that brings grace to the one who hears. These issues are very common and it's something that we need to be very well versed in in how to deal with these types of issues uh, because everyone deals with these types of communication issues, whether we're dealing with uh, spousal problems or problems even at work when we communicate with one another. So the goal from that particular point is for the next several weeks, we may take this same teaching from Scripture and utilize experiences from their particular week, implementing and revisiting these particular principles so that they begin to build habits in their marriage so that they can revisit learning how to listen well to one another and then learning to speak for the sake of the other person rather than speaking just simply for themselves. So I want to challenge you as a, as a counselor to begin to think through these issues so that you can better help those who come to you who have maybe not some of those major issues that we're accustomed to dealing with, especially in the counseling room, but even very common problems that we find uh, in marital situations. And this is a way that we can help even the best of marriages to grow in the ways in which they communicate with one another. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. 
If you'd like more information about solving marriage problems, that's one of the things we focus on at our ACBC regional trainings. And so I want to invite you to attend one of those this fall. This fall, we will be in Laguna Hills, California and Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you'd like more information about those trainings or about the ministry of ACBC, then you can visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.